0: Amen. We gather together this morning, just like we do so many Sundays. We, uh, we come together to worship God, and, and I recognize that uh, you know Christmas falls on a Sunday, and, and that affects people's holiday traditions and the manner in which we you know, interact and get to do things. And I don't want to say, hey, thanks for joining me today. I really don't, because my hope and, uh, and prayer isn't for me. It's for you. It's for us as a church, as a congregation, um, as a community. Um, it, it's, it's the, the, the the place where we say as we gather together we recognize that if two or three people gather together God inhabits that and we also recognize that the psalmist said that God inhabits the praises of his people so as we come together there there can be an anticipation and so even in the midst of the opportunities that I hope you've had to get together and have meals together, to get together and open up presents, and maybe you're like, hey, keep it short. We haven't done that yet, and we want to get home. I'm, I'm okay with that. Okay? I'm okay with that. I just hope that in the midst of all of the celebration, that there's a place for us to just stop and say, we do recognize that all of this is about Jesus, <clears throat> and not just in a manner in which we, which we say, Jesus, now let's get to Christmas, but Jesus, let's stop and have a prayer. And as we go into what I want to share with you this morning, um, this particular Sunday morning. I, I do so with an anticipation and a, and a hope and a prayer, God, that you meet us right here. So let's just have a word of prayer as we go into this word. Father, we are here this morning and we've gathered together um, in light of everything that's going on in our lives, in our community, in our families. We just want to take a time to stop and be in your presence. And we just want to invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and to be amongst us, to be in us, it's a, it's a hard thing, Lord, to, to understand how to pray that because we recognize that we have been sealed with your Holy Spirit as we've surrendered our lives to you. And in doing so, you've never left us, you've never forsaken us. <clears throat> even when things are hard, even when they're difficult, even when they're um, um, un, un... I mean, we just flat don't understand it, God. We don't, we don't recognize what it is you're doing. And we wonder where you are. We do know that in the midst of all that, you are working. And so we thank you for that. We put our lives on hold today for a moment, Lord, to invite the miraculous to crash into our being as we come away from um, um, family gatherings and gifts and expectations and traveling. Um, We want you. We are here, God, because we want you. And so we just say, come Holy Spirit. Come and be here with us today. And we thank you for that in Jesus' holy name. I do hope and pray um, that you have been enjoying this Christmas season. I know the staff worked very, very hard on having the Advent um, available to everybody online and in a book, and it appears to be something that was wonderful, and I hope you got the chance to, uh, to stop and just invite God into your Christmas season. <clears throat> Today, I want to talk about something that really has a lot to do with uh, um, Christmas. I also um, am going to do like I did last night, and I'm going to use a very not-traditional Christmas Scripture in just a second, but I want to talk for a second about the idea that as the world is celebrating Jesus' birth, it didn't happen without people putting their lives on hold, and we don't always think about that actually taking place. You know, we, we say that we want God in our lives and we want this, but we still are going through life so, so fast that it's almost like God would have to cripple us to get us to sit still long enough for you and I to interact with God. And the Christmas story, whether it's Matthew or whether it's Luke, is, is absolutely birth and people absolutely putting their lives on hold. It's uh, Elizabeth being told by the angel that she's going to give birth to John the Baptist, and she ends up putting her life on hold to raise him. For however many years before he went off into ministry, it's Zachariah putting his life on hold and his voice on hold for a whole year until that baby finally came and he could speak again. He was willing to stop and put his life on hold. We came in here, we put our lives on hold, our celebrations on hold. It's Mary putting her life on hold, her expectations on hold, her marriage on hold. It's her putting her reputation on hold. It's Joseph doing the exact same thing. He put his life on hold and for however long and we don't really know how long it was that Joseph was on the earth after Jesus was born, but he put his life on hold. We know he was around when Jesus was 12, but that's the last that we hear of him. The shepherds out in the fields at night put their lives on hold and left their flocks in a very, very, what we would say is probably irresponsible way unless they left the least of the shepherds with the flock and said, you're in trouble if any of them will run off. We recognize that Simeon, And Anna, as you continue to read the Christmas story as Joseph and Mary go to the temple to do for baby Jesus, basically um, redeem him back from God so that they could raise him, okay? because God wants the firstborn. Um, And so uh, they went, and Anna and Simeon were there, and they had been there for years. They put their lives on hold. In essence, when you do the math, they gave up their lives to sit in the temple because they wanted to be there when God finally did something. And we don't often think about this, but Christmas happens and our lives are richer because God put himself on hold. You say, what? God put himself on hold. Yep, he did. God was willing to put things on hold, not that we don't recognize that God knew all things from the beginning, um, but God put things on hold. Um, when we think about this, it, it feels like a theological misnomer but the fact of the matter is God got off his throne in the person of Jesus Christ and came to earth. So ruling the universes comes to earth, puts things on hold, saves mankind, goes back to heaven, back to ruling universes. Everything's been put onto his, under his feet until all things come to summation, the scripture will tell us. And so we see this picture, and that's the scripture that I want to share with you in Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse um, 6. It's just the idea... That, that God put the world on hold in various situations. And this leads into the sermon for next week. Now remember, we will not be here in person next week. It will be live streamed at 9.30 and then it will be available. But it is a message that's important as we, if we get to, if the Lord tarries, trip into um, 2023. But let's read this scripture for today. Um, I'm going to back up to verse 5 just because, um, but just stay with me. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, of the Son of God, um, the the second person of the Trinity. Your attitude should be the same as his, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but, this is where he put his life or his existence, however we might describe that, on hold, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, As we gather together today, we recognize that Jesus was willing to put his existence, and again, I have no concept of the existence of Jesus Christ, God, and the Holy Spirit in heaven. I cannot wrap my head around that. I am too minuscule to be able to contemplate the depths of the majesty of God himself. What I do know is I was made by God, and as I had opportunity to process out this past week, I love God not because somebody told me I had to, not because my grandmother does, not because my grandfather may or may not have. I love God because I have experienced his goodness. I have walked in his presence. I have literally heard him tell me to change careers. I I have invested my whole family, even when elders of the church came up and told me I was worse than an infidel because I was not providing for my family, but going to Bible college as the Lord told me to do. And then that same person came back to me, you're um, at the end of my Bible college career and said, it is clear that you are walking with God and heard him say that I could not have done that. I put my life on hold. I put my petty, and I will say it this way, my petty little dreams on hold. Because my petty little dreams had me continuing to work um, as a uh, construction company that I had working out of my own garage at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and doing well. My own petty dreams were not much bigger than a a, a 26-foot ski ray from, you know, um, sea ray. Um, my dreams were not much bigger than a Grand Cherokee from Jeep to pull my boat. My dreams were not much bigger than, they weren't. And God said, if you'll put this on hold, I want to give you a dream that you never dreamed of. A dream of, a dream of people coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. A, pe- a dream that moves the kingdom of God forward, and you get to play a part in it, and it doesn't happen until people are willing to put their lives on hold. See, the same thing happened to the shepherds. The, the God got off the throne, so the highest of the highs put their, their existence, however we want to say that, on hold, and the lowest of the lows, the shepherds put their existence on hold as they went to see if it was true. And here's the deal. They were willing to stop what they were doing, and it started a revival. Revival. It's crazy to me that people will say, we need to pray for revival, we need to pray for revival, we need to pray for revival, but they don't want to talk about repentance. They don't want to talk about the need to come and surrender their lives to Jesus and do things God's way instead of asking God to fix their lives and do things their own way. See, there's there's so much going on that stops us from embracing a revival. What happens is when we embrace the sacred and we see who we really are in his presence, it's at that moment that like the shepherds were willing to bow down, like the magi were willing to bow down, like, like anybody else that came into the presence of God and had something miraculous happen, we bow down and we say, Whoa, who am I that I'm in the presence of the sacred? I am, as Isaiah said, a filthy human being, and the words of my mouth are filthy. Wow. We've talked about Mary and Joseph. we talked about how often we miss God because we are too, too busy, um, or in order to find God, we don't talk about enough we need to put our lives on hold. Jesus often said over and over and over again, come follow me. And it's crazy to me, and, I, and seriously, one of my early studies as a pastor was just going through the Gospels and seeing how many times the Scripture said, and immediately they followed him. It wasn't a long search, but it was one of those things that when the Lord comes and says to you, hey, I want you to do this, it's that we would be a people like like the, the disciple that immediately followed him. And I was thinking about that, and it's like, fishermen, immediately pulled their boats up on the shore and immediately left their boats and followed, put their lives on hold. Tax collectors sitting at the table, chief tax collectors with little baby tax collectors around him collecting taxes, okay? And Jesus walks by and says, come and follow me. And he gets up and leaves the table. And we have no record that he scraped all the money into bags and brought the bags with him. We recognize that over and over and over again, when God asked something of people, that immediately they got up. Sick people that got healed and he said, hey, go and do this. And immediately they had to go tell everybody what he did. Beggars that came and and were willing to to beg and and spend their lives begging Christ for less than he had to give them. And yet when he gave them and healed them, demon-possessed people went and told people, put their lives on hold. Jews and Greeks... Paul, Timothy, Luke, Silas, Barnabas, Lazarus, Mary, Martha, all of the people that we read stories about in the the Scripture immediately put their lives on hold in the presence of God so that they could embrace the sacred. And it happens when we let go of our expectations of God and we begin to recognize our relationship, our position, our uncleanness, before God In Christ, we have all of the righteousness in our relationship to God. But apart from that, there's that place where that sacred is what we're looking for. All of these people found the sacred after they began to seek and find. There's something about the idea of being reverent when you know you're in the presence of greatness. Um, I was raised Catholic. I'm not here to throw rocks at the Catholics. I just want to put that out there. I'm used to walking into a cathedral for Mass Um, and there is something about walking into a Catholic cathedral. If you've never done it, I would encourage you to do it one time just because, but it was odd to me and kind of funny that after I got saved and, and, um, surrendered my life to Jesus, went into the ministry, moved to Western Oklahoma from Ohio, put my life on hold, um, that, uh, I had an elder board out there and we were going away for a retreat, a Friday and Saturday retreat. And we had um, rented space in a Catholic um, retreat center. And so we went there, and, and it looked like this. I believe this is St. Joseph's from uh, the downtown um, Oklahoma City. Um, the fact of the matter is, I mean, it's beautiful with all the lights coming in, but it was like, a, I don't know, January, 6 o'clock at night. The windows were dark. So it was pretty ominous walking in there. And I walked in there because I had not been in a cathedral in a long time. So I opened up the door during a free time, and I walked in there, and I was just looking around, and I was saying, wow, to myself, this is absolutely beautiful. There's just something sacred feeling about walking in there. And this is the funny part. When you know you're in the presence of the sacred, when, you're, when you feel like wherever you are is sacred, it literally does something to you. It's like when you're singing a song that MJ and the worship team is leading us in, and suddenly you get to a part that for no reason whatsoever, other than what you're going through, feels sacred to you, and you start bawling and crying, and you don't know why. So I'm standing in that cathedral right there on that red carpet. And all of a sudden, four or five of my elders walked in. And they walk up to me and they said, What are you doing in here? And I said, Well, I'm standing here looking. And they're, Shh, they're like, Shh. And so I, I looked at them and I said, Why are you whispering? And they all kind of looked at me and said, We don't know. <laughs> to the man. There's something about being in the presence of the sacred that makes us aware that we don't belong here except for the blood of Jesus Christ that welcomes us home. And in that moment, recognizing what Christ has done for us is the time when we need to understand God is saying to you and I, go about your life, but can you put your life on hold? So I would ask you a question this morning as we have a reasonably normal service, but on Christmas morning. Those of us that say that we follow Jesus the Christ, and I don't expect any of you to be perfect. We're all doing the best we can. Our feet are pointed toward the cross. When we fail, we get back up and keep trying. But here's the deal. Can God ask you to put your life on hold? Can he ask? Can he ask that of you? The way we have read the Christmas story in the Advent book and over and over again from this stage all December, can God ask you to put your life on hold? Now, I'm not saying can God ask you to go on a two-year journey with $50,000 and just try to find the Christ and throw the money at somebody's feet. That's, That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is can he ask you to put your life on hold at work for 15 or 20 minutes to share your story with a work person? A workmate. Can he ask you to put your life on hold as you're headed to work and you see somebody broke down on the side of the road? Or are you running so tight that you don't have time for that? Can you pull over? Can God ask you for some of your time and you pull over and when somebody says to you, thank you for pulling over, because you know how they are. 50,000 people drove past me, but you pulled over, they'll say. But thank you. And can you say, I pulled over because Jesus wants me to give you some of my time to help you in your situation, and then let it go. Just so that they can believe that God interacted with them through you. Christianity and Christmas, Easter and the resurrection will always, always, always be about you hearing God and putting your life on hold, putting your finances on hold, putting your career on hold, putting your college on hold. And some, for some of you, putting your college on hold, don't, don't leave here and say, hey mom, Pastor Joe said I don't have to go to college anymore, so I'm not going. I'm going to get a good job at Chick-fil-A because they pay and I really like what's going on in Richmond at Chick-fil-A. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. Putting your college on hold might look like you going to college but you're doing it now with the the purpose of reaching fellow students at the college while you're getting your degree. The idea of putting your life on hold doesn't mean you have to change careers, but it means you're willing to change careers. Let me just ask you a quick question, really quick. Right now, if you're familiar with your 401k, and and I hate when I walk into a church and they're talking about money, so just, just know that I'm not asking you for your money. I'm just reaching out to something that is so important to human beings because we are greedy. Jesus told a young man one time, sell everything you've got, give to the poor, and then put your life on hold and come follow me. And that man walked away from Jesus. And to this day, we have no reason to believe that he's not in hell because he believed that what God was asking of him was too much or that God would never ask that of him, And yet, we have record of Jesus asking that. Can God today speak to your life and just say, I want you to dump your 401k into a local church? Doesn't have to be this one. I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to get you to answer that question. Because I know people that have done it that weren't the pastor of the church. Because God still asks that of people. But we don't want our lives on hold. We don't want our lives. We want God to do what we want him to do in our lives. I want to see God. I want to see God move in your life. I want to see God move in your Christmas. I want to see God move in your children. I want to see God. But guess what? God is not going to out-teach you and your relation that you're living out in front of your children. They're not going to. Sacred is what happens when heaven opens your eyes to truth and purity of the spiritual reality. Emmanuel, God with us. You will find the baby lying in a manger. Hundreds of years after that was spoken, shepherds ran into the barn, into the the creche, into the place where the, the sheep were kept, livestock were kept, and they found the baby lying in a manger. And I don't know how you ask this of a woman, but they probably said... The prophecy says, born of a virgin, are you a virgin? Really wild question to ask a stranger. But you want to know before you put your life on hold, are you at the right place? Is that what's going on? When sacred happens, we often become aware of the disparity between God's grace and our sinfulness. Like Isaiah, in Isaiah 5. In the year of King Darius, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated on a throne. And he goes on to say he fell over and said, stay away from me. John, um, uh, the revelator, when he was writing the book of Revelation on Patmos, he said he had this vision and then he, he said he saw the Lord and then he fell down as though dead because he was a filthy human being. There is something about being in the presence of the sacred that makes us aware of our humanity and the disparity. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Sacred will buckle the knees and sneeze the hearts of sinners. It makes us us catch our breath when we realize this is where we are. But sacred is what happens when we don't hurry. Sacred is what happens when we wait. Then the Holy Spirit comes in and grabs your heart and begins to move and you can't leave and things can't be the same. The stories that were told of being at the vineyard are told of people coming into the worship center and and worshiping and then crying and crying and crying. The family that sat here and interacted with Pastor Janice and said, what is happening to us? They felt like they were broke. And she had the opportunity to say, you're in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Just stay here. Just wait. Let the Holy Spirit continue to do what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Because when we wait, it's about getting your heart in the right place. As we wrap up 2022, as we gather together on Christmas morning, how's your heart? Is your heart hungry for more of God? Do you even have an appetite for God? Or is your prayer going to be, God, make me hungry to be hungry for your presence? I don't want to settle for what this year has brought us. Is your heart aware of your relationship to God and the things that need to change? Is your heart willing to be submissive to God? It's also about getting your heart clean, And that means we've got to be honest. Not because we're less than anybody else in the room, but because we've got to start pretending and believing the facade that sometimes we put out there for people. We've got to be willing to be repentant if we want to see revival. We've got to be sorry enough to go the other way. And we've got to be humble enough to go to people that we need to speak to. And then the last thing that I want to share with you, because this is my prayer right out of the Old Testament is about getting a new heart. The Lord said, I will take from you a heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. Our God is a a heart specialist. And I believe that God wants to do that for you. We can bow up like Job. We can bow up and say, who do you think you are, God? Come down here and talk to me. How can you let this happen to me? We can bow up. But just remember, it will be God saying to you and I, where were you and I set the foundations of the world? Where were you and I told the Son where to be birthed from and where to go to sleep every night or every day? That will be God saying that to you and I. But God said He wants to take from you the bitterness. He wants to take from you the anger. He wants to take from you the heart. He wants to take from you the sharp edges that keep people from getting close to you. He wants to take that from you. And He wants desperately to give you a heart of flesh full of compassion, full of love, full of seeing other people that you can make a difference in their lives. If you would be willing to put your life on hold for a minute, for five minutes, for an hour, or for years... Because I know there are people in this room called to full-time public ministry. I am not the only one. The question is, are you listening? Are you hungry? Are you repenting? That's not a bad word. Repenting is not a bad word. It doesn't mean you're evil. It means you need to go in a new direction with God. It's about getting a new heart and receiving. And at the end of the day at the end of everything that you and I know, Christianity will always be the words of Samuel as he spoke to King Saul, not Saul who became Paul, but King Saul, when he said, to obey is better than sacrifice. To heed, to do what God said when it doesn't make Dave Ramsey sense. is better than the fat of ram and bulls that's what we're called to to a ridiculous love a ridiculous compassion and a life that is lived in such a manner that there's no net and the only person that can catch us is God and if we get it wrong trying to follow him then I trust him enough to catch me and say that's not what I wanted Let me give it back to you and start over. And again, please don't hear me talking about your money. It's just the easiest thing to touch as a pastor. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about your relationships. I'm talking about the hurts that you want to carry that define you. And this would be a great season to give them back to God as Christmas presents and say, Lord, you paid for these. I don't need them anymore. And I would encourage you to embrace Christmas because it's sacred. And that's what I wish for you. A new heart. If the Lord tarries, we're going into 2023. If the Lord tarries, there'll be some changes around here. Some of you are starting to feel them already. I believe that God is saying, it's time to take the next step. It's time to begin to move forward. It's time to get in line. It's time to seek me with all of your heart, and then I'll be found by you. That's where we need to be. But that plays out in relationship around us, and I want to encourage you in that. God wants to give you Christmas today. We don't have plans for a prayer team up here, but I want to pray for you before we go. I want to give you your Christmas back now. You've put it on hold to be here in the presence of God. And my prayer is that God has challenged you and and that you're wrestling with something like, whoa, Pastor Joe, you're right. Or you're wrestling with somebody saying, why did I come in here? I'm not listening to you anymore, but you're going to think about it forever. So let's pray. God, as we come before you, it's your word, not mine. I simply read it and try to understand it. My goal isn't to interpret it as much as it is to make an application to today. And God, I prayed and prayed and prayed. Your word says if we lack wisdom, we should pray and pray and pray and ask you and you'll give it to us without shaming us. And so I've done it. God, I have fulfilled what you asked me to do in 2022 to the best of my ability. Because I want to see these people's lives changed. I want to see relationships born, relationships strengthened, relationships as an example to people around us. I want to see people chasing after you, encouraged by you, empowered by you, and sacrificing to you. That you might be glorified and people might think we're the dumbest people in the community because we're willing to do the ridiculous to embrace the sacred. So whether we're shepherds here today, Lord, or kings in a palace, whether we're shop owners, oh Lord God, or whether we're just craftsmen, just ask and pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come. You said, Jesus, you said that if we would but ask our Father that there would be an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. God, I'm not looking for the supernatural. I'm just looking for your presence in the everyday and this Christmas Lord we want to say thank you and we're waiting thank you Lord and we're waiting come and tell us come and send us come and ask of us come and give to us come and rebuild come and restore come and do the things that you did in days gone by that we might run out of this place God tell people behold The one who loves us is here. We thank you for this in Jesus' blessed and holy name.